Hi friends, welcome to the Psyche Mental Wellbeing Podcast with me, your host, Hannah. On the show, I'm joined each episode by an amazing guest to have an honest conversation, share our real life experiences and tackle stigma and misconceptions around mental health along the way. We believe that everyone would benefit from focusing a little more on their mental well-being, and we're here to support you to do just that. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, friends, and welcome back. Happy Monday. Hope you have had a good weekend and that you are doing well today. Before we dive into today's episode, massive thank you to Kerry who joined us last week on Wednesday and it was a solo episode on Monday. Uh, So last week we were getting really into trusting ourselves, listening to ourselves, finding our way back to ourselves, all the many ways that we can lose ourselves. And um, I was talking about compassion and giving yourself permission to do the things that, um, that you love to do. So um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to know how you've been doing that. I've been in the water swimming, I've been to the beach, I've been really loving all of that. Um, and crafting, crafting is my current obsession. And um, I use that word quite pointedly because I definitely get periods of hyper-focus. It's, I think, part of my neurodiversity where I have something that I'm intensely interested in and it's all I kind of think about that I want to do, that I want to spend loads of money on. And sometimes those things peter out. But at the moment, I'm enjoying that and I have a few exciting projects kind of going on. And that at the moment is bringing me joy. There may be photos coming in the future at some point on Instagram of things I've made if they turn out (laughs) successful. But yeah. I hope that you are filling your time doing doing those things uh, that you enjoy. So today we are in a slightly different area of wellness, but something that has a massive impact on mental well-being, mental wellness. And I know for myself and my journey, something that has and continues to have a, a massive impact on me. And that is about money. <laughs> so we're talking financial well-being. We're talking a little bit about money mindset and actually a lot of kind of more practical advice. So I think we, we've, we've touched on money mindset and financial well-being before, where we've been joined by sort of coaches who support people with that. But today we are joined by J.R. Chapel, who um, works in financial planning and uh, support. So coming from a sort of slightly different angle, but still talking about well-being, but being able to give some of that more sort of practical advice. Don't worry, it's not too much. We, I mean, we do get into a little bit about pensions. Um, and and stuff like that but it's not like an in-depth tax lesson or anything like that it's definitely definitely from a well-being focus and practical advice uh, to help you to um, just feel a little bit more knowledgeable and more in control in this area which I know from personal experience can be quite overwhelming Um, and in terms of the, the practicalities of my own finances it's definitely something I am taking more personal responsibility for, but money mindset is something big that I am continuing to work on and I think it's an ongoing thing. So we touch on that a little bit. It's definitely something to look into more if you've got lots of stuff that comes up when we talk about money. Um, but yes, it's a, a great conversation with JR. Lots of really, really practical advice and takeaways. So let's dive in and I'll be back super quickly at the end. Hi everyone and I'm really happy to welcome today's guest JR to the podcast. So JR, welcome and if you could tell us a little bit about yourself. Yes, thank you Hannah. Uh, my name is JR Chapel. I'm the Director of Retirement Planning 
for Ensign Partners. We are a, uh, we're a firm based out of Phoenix, Arizona, and we basically work with individuals, families, and business owners on a wide variety of, of topics that are important to folks. Um, sometimes it's investment planning. Sometimes it's um, they have questions about insurance uh, issues um, and tax and legal help. So it's a, pretty, it's a pretty neat office. We're doing a lot of cool things. Awesome. Well, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. And for anyone who's listening to that and thinking, what? Um, we're talking about insurance and tax today. We're talking about financial wellness today, which I think is a, a really important uh, topic. So I guess um, a good place to start and what I like to do when we have guests on is to get like a bit of a definition of like what we're talking about. So when we say financial wellness, what, what do you mean by that? Yeah, so financial wellness is just a concept of, of having, having everything in place, okay? Uh, financial wellness does not necessarily mean having a million dollars or a million pounds or, or a bunch of money in the bank. Financial wellness is, is more about making sure that your basic needs are covered and not basically not allowing financial stresses to you know, undermine your overall health and, and emotional well-being. Financial wellness is just a piece of the puzzle. So there's emotional wellness, physical wellness, physical fitness, right? And so financial wellness is just a part of that, really. Brilliant. Thank you. And I guess it's, um, you know, as with all those other things, emotional, physical, they're parts of our lives that we can't escape from. And money is something that we need to have in our lives in order to be able to, to function in our society. So, so I wonder if you could speak a little bit more about, you know, the, the stresses that, that can come with money and whether that's from people that you, you know, seen in, in your practice or. Right. Well, I think, I think we can all acknowledge that, you know, life in general is not necessarily easy for any of us, right? Everybody has um, rent or, or a mortgage to pay uh, we all have monthly bills that need to be covered. You know, if we have children and families, that's, that can be very costly. And so uh, part of the stress is, uh, is, especially for folks who are really either barely making ends meet or who just aren't, right? Whose bills way are, are, are heavily outweighed by their, by their income, or excuse me, whose bills outweigh their income. And so, yeah, uh, life in general can be difficult. And when you have financial stress, whether that be due to a job loss, whether that be to, due to a working, missing work due to an illness or injury, um, it can have a huge impact. And so that certainly is, at least with, you know, with our firm, when we're working with our clients, um, actually getting to know them on a, on a personal emotional level is a big part of that. So we ask, we ask them to tell us how did their family treat money growing up, right? What, what was the mindset and the mentality around having money or not when, when they were children? Um, how do they emotionally identify with money as they're working and, and accumulating assets over time? We want to know how our clients think, how they feel about things, because that is just as important as you know the stuff you can reach out and, and put your hand on yeah I'm thinking about my own money life um and I'm definitely someone who is like an emotional spender mm, yeah and 
you know, and, and I have a reasonable understanding of finance from my working life, but that doesn't necessarily equate to managing my finances well. Okay. I can create a budget, okay. sticking to it is a different thing. And I think if you speak to someone and, and they're out of touch with the reality of how you actually spend money, that on paper you can look at, yeah, my rent, my bills, but actually, you know, my, my day-to-day life has other things that are massively linked to other areas of my life. And, and you know, mm. if you don't have an appreciation of that. Yeah, well, the classic example of, of that, Hannah, is, is you look at someone who on paper you would think has everything going for them, right? They, they, they're earning high wages. You know, they, they have all of, the, all of the, the things in life that you would expect would lead these people to be highly successful. And yet it's not uncommon for me to, to talk to folks who are making lots of money and yet they have very little to show for it in terms of actual retirement planning, okay? Because they're, they're just spending all their money on toys, you know, motorcycles and jet skis and, and boats and cars and, you know, uh, what do you guys call them in the UK? Caravans, trailers. Um, they're just spending tons of money or, or they're, you know, they're just blowing it on, I don't know, restaurants, eating out all the time. And so these folks are working hard. They have a great job, but very little to show for it in terms of setting aside for the future, for future needs, because they're just spending everything on, you know, today, what's in front of them now, which it's an easy trap to fall into. You know, it's humans are not wired to say no today, right? We're, we, the, the instant gratification is a powerful urge to resist and I wonder if there's a difference in uh without getting too much into kind of pension (laughs) pension um Mm -hmm. how they work but I wonder if there's a difference between the UK and and the US because in the UK there's obviously like state pension stuff but if you are employed legally there is a a certain amount that your employer and you have to pay (laughs) into it so like you Yep. have to basically be paid. Yeah, so we have that in the United States, but it's not as common. Typically, we're seeing that with what are called municipal employees. So folks who work for their city government, the state government, or state agencies like police departments, fire departments, um, state universities, the state university systems have a traditional pension you know, that everyone pays into. But in the private sector, more employers are shifting away from the pension system into, in America, what's called the defined contribution, okay? So what that means is the employee chooses whether they're going to participate or not, and they choose how much money they're going to put in. So the employee is defining their own contribution, and the, their employer, their company, you know, will probably offer some kind of match a matching contribution, but it's not, it's not required. It's not mandatory. So in the United States, the traditional pension system where you don't have, you don't have a say is not as common as it used to be. Now it's confined mostly to municipal employees. Yeah. So I guess then you could have people who are kind of going, well, I can't afford to pay into my pension because I need that money day to day or I want to enjoy it and then suddenly down the line whereas I guess there's a bit of protection in the UK that you can have the minimum contribution but unless you opt out completely and then you lose the bit that your employer pays into and you have to silly 
Yeah. And you have to actively do it. Like the automatic is you're enrolled unless yep. you do otherwise. So yeah. 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 Some, some employers, it's getting a little bit more common here, thankfully. Um, but some employers in their retirement plan, I'm, I'm talking about private companies, right? Um, here, like the private sector here are offering automatic enrollment to the employees. So whenever the employee becomes eligible, so whether they've worked there for three months or six months or whatever, whatever time period, you know, the, the company has decided as soon as that employee is, is eligible, they're automatically enrolled. And to your point, they can opt out. They can, they can physically go in there and say, Nope, not doing it. And, you know, God bless them. But I, I am a huge fan of, of automatic enrollment. I'm a huge fan of, you know, mandatory savings, if you will, because people won't do it. Otherwise they, they, most folks are unwilling to, um, you know, live with less enough now to have more later. The scariest thing that we run into is somebody who's 50 or 55 or 60 years old, who really has nothing to show for it at that point. They've just been working and playing their whole life. And now they're 60 years old with very little saved for retirement. That's a scary thing to me. Yeah. And do you have like a state pension system in the US? Um, as meaning, meaning like just so, directly from the government? Yeah, so in the UK, if you've been working and you've been paying your national insurance contribution, so you, you pay a yep. contribution, then when you reach state retirement age, which um, always changes, but I think it's about 67 at the moment, but yep. will probably go up <laughs> in the future, yep. there is a state pension, which I think at the moment is about £9,000 a year. So not a lot. But. Yes, we, we have that same thing here. It's called Social Security. Um and, you know, ours, it depends how much your monthly benefit you receive depends on how much you contributed over your working years, right? Um, it's based on your prior working history. But, you know, Social Security here in the U.S. was never designed to be somebody's sole source of income in retirement. It was never designed to be the only money that people were, had to live on. It was never built that way. It's not supposed to be like that. So that's why, you know, we encourage folks so strenuously to, to really be diligent in saving for the retirement from a young age, from a young age, the earlier you start, the better off you'll be, you know, because the, you know, there's another conversation here in the United States about you know, how long social security will last or what one political party or the other is going to do, you know, will it still be around for, you know, who knows? Those are questions that nobody has an answer to. But what I do know is, you know, somebody who saves 20 or $50 or $100 a month starting at age, you know, when they're 20 years old, they're going to have a mountain of money, you know, saved up by the time they're 70 compared to somebody who, who waits until later. Yeah, I think on the pension front, like other financial <clears throat> stuff, I'm not great. I'll be honest, but on the pension front, I, uh, I've matched what my employer pays. So I kind of do over the minimum. Good. So I was like, yeah. Good. So, um, so I think ours is, well, not by much, to be honest, by like an extra percent, point, but, okay. um, but it's, it's something because I think, you know, we, when we talked about, um, financial wellness more generally, it's that, you know, day-to-day -day stress of making ends meet. But if you've got that looming stress, like, and you can like not think about it, but it's in the back of your mind, like, oh, what's going to happen? Because, and I'll think about it tomorrow and I'll think about it tomorrow. 
it's it's still there you're still aware of it and I guess another stressor around finances is maybe and it's linked to the mindset stuff is being able to talk about it and also understanding it I don't know if you find that's a big thing that people just like I don't I don't get numbers I don't understand it yeah well it's it's just it's doing the the ostrich thing right burying our head in the sand and hoping that the problem just goes away which is just denial if you think about it nope I'm not going to deal with this not going to worry about it the problem will will solve itself um you know think about somebody who who might be sick or really really sick and they just don't want to go to a doctor because they don't want to hear bad news right well the cancer is not going away (laughs) right on its own you have to go to the doctor and get treatment for that so yeah you know the escape mindset if you will like hey this is a scary thing i don't want to deal with it i'm just going to I'm just going to bin it and, and, you know, come back to it later. At some point you have to come back to it because it's not going away. Right. The only people that don't worry about money are babies and the dead, (laughs) you know, all the rest of us, all the rest of us have some obligations that, that need to be met. And, you know, you have to, you have to talk about it. You have to address it. Yeah, I mean, I sometimes idealistically think, oh, well, if I won the lottery, everything would be straightforward. But there are so many lottery winners I don't know, <clears> who they'll win. And then they, like, it's all gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, a, and a lot of them, you know, a lot of them say that, man, that was the worst thing that ever happened to me. Be- because they've blown up relationships in the meantime. They've, there was a famous case here in the United States, you know, many years ago about a gentleman who, who won a, a giant lottery prize. And it, it was just a train wreck after that. I mean, everybody and their brother started coming out of the woodwork ask, asking this guy for money. His granddaughter got into got majorly into drugs and eventually died. It was just a disaster. It was just a disaster for this gentleman and his family. His, he and his wife, I think he and his wife divorced. Like <laughs> it was just the it was the worst possible thing. So yeah. Um and again, that goes back to what we were saying earlier. Money by itself is not good or bad. It's what you do with it. So having those conversations, I would argue that, you know, especially for folks that do have money, making sure to get good people on your team, good financial advisors, good tax professionals, people that really have your best interest in mind and want to help you make good decisions is huge. You know, think about professional athletes. Right, that that here these young people are making, you know, millions of dollars. Um, the ones that surround themselves with good people, with good advisors, they have great success financially over the long run. The athletes that go out and buy four houses and ten cars, and then you know, with professional sports, if you don't perform, you're off the team, right? And so here you have these kids that get cut from the team of team a few years later and they're broke. They're broke. It's like you, you made, you made all this money. How are you broke? Because they didn't have a good team around them. They did. They didn't have their mind right. And they didn't have people looking out for them. Yeah. I guess what, you know, when we were talking about that, people were struggling to make ends meet. There's uh, this research, isn't there into like money and happiness. And then <clears throat> obviously if you're struggling to, to pay the bills, then that, having more money is going to make a big impact but then it's quite negligible actually the benefit once you've kind of got a certain standard of living and actually 
it can make you more miserable, <laughs> more miserable when you've got more. Right. And it's really interesting. Well, I was, I was having a conversation with a friend recently and he brought up a good point. When you think about, you know, the wealthiest people in the world, think about, you know, uh, uh, CEOs of big companies, right? Like Elon Musk or, or Jeff Bezos of Amazon or Bill Gates uh, or, or Warren Buffett, right? The, um, the really extraordinarily wealthy people. They can't even just die. Like, <laughs> you know, the, if, you know, whenever, whenever Warren Buffett passes, you know, the poor guy, he, he has to have the most amazingly complex, you know, estate planning that I could probably ever imagine, right? He can't, he can't just die and, and his checking account goes to his spouse or his kids. Like, no. <laughs> so you're absolutely right. Uh, up to a certain point, you know, if somebody is really struggling, then yeah, having some extra income to ease that stress, of course, it's going to make a big difference. But it's also up to the individual to make good choices along the way. I am a um, huge believer in personal responsibility. Okay, um, I I try I try really hard when I'm talking to folks to really explain that to them because we can't just play the victim all the time, right? It, it's a it's up to us within whatever means we have at our disposal to change our circumstance. So if somebody is barely making ends meet, then there's one of, they basically have three options. You can either make more money, reduce your spending or both, right? And thankfully, you know, with the rise of technology, we have more options than ever than, than any any people ever before us to, to make income in different ways, right? You can, you know, do part-time part-time work or, or freelance work through through online services, right? Um, people can deliver, you know, deliver food and groceries through delivery services, you know, that like a, just apps on our phone, right? I, I don't know what you have in the UK, but here in America, we have numerous services where you can just go on an app and order food and, and it gets delivered to you right so you know there are there are multiple options available to folks that really 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 want to change their circumstance and if the if the will and the desire is there people can see results if the will and the desire to reduce your spending and that's the same token if people take an honest look at their monthly budget, Hannah, and say, holy crap, I spent 600 pounds last month just on takeaway. <laughs> You're like, oh, well, maybe, you know, maybe we should eat at home more often. I think it's interesting because we can, like the ostrich thing, we can just be quite mindless, I think, sometimes with our spending. And I, yeah. when I was doing an exercise of like, oh, I really need to <laughs> take some more responsibility for it. And I literally was writing out, because rather than just looking at the statements, writing out and like categorizing my spending and when you're actually writing out in black and white you're like oh (laughs) why have I spent so money much money in that place or and you can really see the pattern rather than just reading through it um it's surprising yeah um I wonder if we can go back to financial wellness a little bit and talk about the impact that has and I think we've been talking around lots of stuff but the impact on our physical and emotional well-being oh my gosh the is there are so many ways that that can affect us, you know? Um, And I'm not, I'm certainly not a doctor, of course, so I don't know if I can really articulate it well, but but just think about 
all of the negative aspects, right? When we have stress built up in our, in our, when we just feel it, you know, people are, our bodies, we start to get sick. Uh, I was reading, I was reading about this previously doing some research, you know, financial stress. Well, we'll just say emotional stress, right? Let's just say emotional stress, which the money part contributes to that, of course. So let's say, let's, let's do it that way. But emotional stress can contribute to so many physical ailments, whether it's weight gain, whether it is um, high blood pressure, whether it is depression, it just has so many effects. Um, financial struggles, financial problems are a leading cause of divorce um, here in America, you know, but I would assume that that's the case in multiple other countries too, right? Depression, anxiety, suicide. Um, there was a there was a tragic story here a few months back of a young man, 20, 21 years old, who was on a, um, a, a stock trading. We have apps for our phone now. There's multiple, you know, stock trading apps that you can just get on your mobile device. And this young man bet, you know, made a bunch of bets on the stock market, and his bets went went the wrong way sadly and so this young man wound up deep in the hole and he killed himself 20 years old he killed himself because he just saw no way out of his situation he saw no way out um so yeah there's just there's an endless number of ways that financial and emotional stress can affect us physically i wonder uh, in a moment if we can talk about steps that we can take generally to improve mm-hmm our situation but um that the the story that you just shared if someone is facing like a huge amount of debt or they're in that situation because i think that is probably one of the ones where there's going to be more of that like how do i even begin to get out of it right what do i even do yeah Yeah. i mean the, the the biggest thing that i would that i would tell somebody is just to step away for a minute to step away right whatever that means if it means going out for a walk you know if it means you know going to listen to some music for a while to clear your mind out whatever whatever the stress is right if you're if you're if you're looking at a at a bill you know if you're looking at a bill that has to be paid you just don't know how you're going to do it just step away for a minute right go get some exercise go you know um Take a walk, go relax for a bit and clear your mind because um, that, that's going to have a huge effect. Just, just, that, just that short little break, that's going to have a huge effect on, on your mind. And then, you know, start coming up with a plan. So if, if somebody has a bill that they don't know how they're going to pay, then I would say, okay, it's, it's, time to, it's time to find a way to make a couple extra dollars, to make a few extra pounds here. And then they need to start looking at ways to supplement their income. If there's you know, a, a part-time job that, that you can obtain somewhere, if there's some freelance work just to bring in a few, a few extra bucks, then that's, that's what has to be done. But no, the answer is, my goodness, you know, some a, a young person killing themselves over financial stress, that is, that's heartbreaking. That shouldn't happen. There's no reason for that. And I guess, you know, I, I mean, I've been in debt <laughs> before. I'm sure actually a lot of us 
most of us have yeah and um I, and I found actually this this is one of maybe the most difficult things to do or feels like it but actually can be depending who it is quite helpful actually contacting that person and saying look I'm struggling to pay this yeah and you know in particular like credit card companies they will have a process to support mm-hmm. people with that because it's you're not the first person that I've been there <laughs> you're not the first person and it's oh. so hard to say I, I can't pay this like <clears throat> you know, I'm struggling but there is a process um, yep and that also you know to your point Hannah is part of the mindset it, it takes courage to face one circumstance and say wow this is you know this is bigger than than I can handle but it also takes courage to be willing to do something about it right so if you if you just take that bill and you you put it in the drawer or you put it in the bin and say, nope, not going to deal with it. That's taking the easy way out and it's not going to solve any problems. Picking up the phone and calling the creditor and saying, I can't pay this, that takes courage. But it also requires taking action. And uh, I would argue that the folks that are willing to, to do those types of things are going to see better success than the folks that don't. Yeah. Um I mean, it's, yeah, it's difficult. <laughs> it's a difficult call to it's make. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. But, you know, guess what? Nobody, nobody ever promised us an easy ride through this life, right? Yeah. Nobody, nobody promised us a free ticket. Yeah, very true. Um, so I wonder if you've got any advice, um, just like generally. Um, so it might not be that we've got a huge amount of debt, but we just generally want to improve our situation, have less stress around finances. Do you have any advice for us? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you, you got to start with the basics, Hannah, and you've you've already brought it up, and, and that's making a budget. Make a budget. And that's the thing that 90% of people really are not good at, and that would solve so many problems or, or prevent them entirely. Um, make a budget. So if my monthly income is $5,000 or 5,000 pounds, whatever it is, right? If my monthly income is is this this much okay how much is my rent how much do my groceries usually cost do i have a car payment do i have any other sort of loans that need to be like a student loan that needs to be paid each month write it down write it down how much how much does my monthly electric cost right my other utilities my internet service write it down and it's very easy if the income is higher than the bills, then you got to keep it that way. <laughs> if, if the bills are higher than the income, then we, like we were saying earlier, we need to find a way to make more money, reduce our expenses, or both. So that's the basic part. That's the basic part is making a budget. Um, the best advice that I can give a young person, you know, is start saving for retirement. So if, you know, if, if in the UK you have your, 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 your pension system, obviously, you know, that'll be compulsory, I would assume. Um, but if you're able to do more than the minimum, then absolutely, absolutely. Um, we must get our minds right about living on a little bit less now so that we'll have more later. Um, one 
I wouldn't say a problem, but one thing I hear all the time, especially when working with people that own their own business, their own company of any sort, I hear this all the time is, oh, I'm, I'm never going to stop working. I'm going to, I'm going to do this till I die. And I, my response is, okay, that's fantastic, Jimmy. But I think we can both agree that when you're 82 years old, you're not still going to be doing this as your primary means of earning income, right? At some point, you're going to slow down and start getting out. Now, if somebody wants to keep working and keep active just because, then of course, that's fantastic. But, you know, the thought that, that I don't know, um, a bricklayer is going to, is going to keep building walls and buildings and stuff at 80, at 80 years old, just because is maybe not very realistic. Or if they have to keep doing that at 80, just because they have no other means to support themselves, then that's really sad. That's very sad. I was thinking as you were speaking, that's definitely something I've said um, before, but, but, I think maybe I'll have a retirement career as like a politician because that seems to be something that's kind of flipped that you, you know, so some jobs uh, sure. will lend themselves more to, you know, if they're physically demanding or, you know, anything like that. Um, and there was something else that you said and I was going to pick up and say something about, but it has completely gone. That's okay. One, I don't know about the UK, but one thing that in the private sector here we're seeing more of is more and more companies, employers, are offering financial wellness education to their staff free of charge. You know, we, we were talking about the, the correlation between stress and, and how it affects your health. And a major, major drag on employee performance is emotional stress and emotional, you know, dis... Um, disorder, if you will, not like emotional disorders, but like, you know, just being, just being stressed and, and that kind of thing. And we've talked about a major contributor to emotional stress is financial stress. And so more and more companies are offering financial education free of charge to their, to their staffs. So they have people come in and talk about how to set a budget. Here's how life insurance works. Here's how retirement planning and investments work and um the the feedback they're getting is fantastic people are saying wow i didn't know any of these things i feel so much better thank you for bringing this to us and and folks are taking action on on the information they're learning so we're seeing really really positive results from the companies that offer these types of things to their staff um, because everybody wins. Everybody wins. The company gets better productivity because their staffs are, are less stressed out and less distracted from emotional stuff that, that they're going through. And the employees benefit because now they're getting the tools they need to make better decisions for themselves that they wouldn't have had otherwise. Everybody wins. It's something I, I, I think I've seen it with, I think, organizations that offer other kind of wellness stuff as um, an option that's popping up. But I think it's one of those things that people often say, why isn't this taught in schools? You know, right. that, that, you get that too. Yeah. JR, before I ask you my set questions, do you have a final thought on financial wellness or finances <laughs> generally that you'd like to share with us? Um, I, I just, you know, I, I want people to know that, we have all the tools we need 
to have a fantastic life, right? And 99% of it is all in our mind. We have all the tools we need. So if it's a matter of, of getting more education, ask somebody, ask for help, talk to somebody. If it's a matter of, you know, physically not making ends meet, then there are ways around that. And, and, and obviously there's some circumstances out there where, you know, somebody has an illness or an injury that prevents them from, from you know, being able to do all the stuff that, that you or I can do, you know, physically. And of course I want to be mindful of that, but, but for the most part, we all have all the tools we need to be successful. We just have to be willing to make tough choices to make that happen. And so my message to, to anyone who's willing is just to take a good hard look at themselves and, and figure out a way, you know, what, what small little things can I do, you know, one little piece at a time, doesn't have to be all at once, but what small little steps can I take to improve my circumstance, just piece by piece. And over time, I'm confident that anybody will, will have fantastic results. It's got to be willing to, to do it. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you so much, Daya, for everything that, that you shared. Um, yes, I have some set questions I ask everyone that comes on, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on these. Um, the first one is, what brings you joy in your life? I love my work. I absolutely love my work. Um, I love meeting somebody who um, has no idea about all of the possibilities that they have as far as improving their overall financial well-being, right? Because that's my specialty, right? I can't, I can't teach people art classes or, <laughs> you know, music, anything like that. So I, I love my work and, and you know, we have a fantastic team here uh, at Enzyme Partners. We just, we have a great team. And so we meet somebody who, you know, goes through our process and we, we talk about their insurance. We talk, we talk about their financial situation. We talk about legal and, and tax questions. And the feedback we get from, from our existing clients is, unbelievable it's wow thank you so much i had no idea you know we could do all these cool things um and so that really gives me joy is the work that that our team here does um and i love my family you know i have i have i have two kids i have a, a 13 and 19 year old um in fact my my 19 year old just won her team's high school lacrosse championship which was Super cool to watch. Um, I love my family. I have a fantastic sweetheart who you know, makes me better in so many ways. Um, and I, I love, you know, the, the last thing that brings me joy is, is just being able to you know, stop and, you know, I, this sounds silly, but stop and smell the roses sometimes, you know. I'm not so overwhelmed just by life that I can't take a moment and just be grateful for all the wonderful things that, that we have here. I am absolutely a, an optimist. I, 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 I'm a, of an abundance mindset. There's so many good things in the world that if we just tune out all the negative headlines, it's, it's unbelievable how much cool stuff there is out there. And we're lucky to, to be able to be a part of it. Amazing. Thank you for that. I think you've preempted one of my, uh, 
upcoming questions as well. That's cool. <laughs> uh, so my my next one is, uh, what makes life meaningful for you? Um, helping others, right? I, I've, I've had amazing mentors in my life professionally. I've had amazing friends personally. And being able to be a friend to somebody else personally, being able to help someone else professionally improve their life and their circumstance is very meaningful. It's very, very meaningful to me. I love it. Brilliant. Thank you for that. Uh, so my next two questions are around our overarching topic of the podcast, which is mental wellness. Yes. Um, and so the first one is, what does mental wellness mean to you? Mental wellness is having the, the, the fortitude to not be a victim to our circumstances. Because all of us, me too, every one of us has things in our life that don't go right, right? Um, whether it's a flat tire before you're going to leave for work in the morning, you know, or uh, an unexpected bill or expense that comes up, or, you know, a, a difficult, maybe a difficult health situation. Whatever it is, whatever, whatever the struggles in our life are, mental wellness is, is, not, is not being willing to, to letting ourselves get beat down by that, right? You, you got to overcome it. You got to just keep moving forward, keep taking ground, um, keep grinding away because things get better if, if we allow them to. And I would argue that, that for most folks, you know, the, the prison of our mind is the strongest one. Right? That's the strongest one. You know, we've talked about it. You have people that ordinarily have everything going for them in life, and yet they're miserable for one reason or the next. They're miserable. There's no reason for that. We have everything we need to be successful. We just got to get our mind right. Awesome. Thank you. And then my follow-up is, for yourself, what do you do to look after your mental well-being? I try to stay active physically. That's that's a big that's a big thing for me. When I am physically you know, healthy and strong, then, then I'm in a much better place mentally and emotionally. A while back, you know, several years ago, you know, my, my mother passed. And of course, that's going to happen to all of us, right? We're all going to get there. But I kind of just let myself go. Um, and I remember, I remember looking at pictures of myself and I'm like, oh my gosh, I think I gained like over 20 pounds or something like that. So what would that be for you guys? Over 10 kilos. Uh, I don't know how many stone that is. <laughs> About one and a half. All right. So I gained, I gained, I gained, you know, over a stone worth of weight and um, I just wasn't happy. Right. I wasn't, I wasn't happy. I really wasn't healthy. I'd stopped exercising. I was just sitting around watching TV and, and eating potato chips all the time. Like I was miserable. And so, yes, for me to stay mentally healthy, I have to stay physically active and you know, you can look up, there's probably 10,000 different research papers that have, that have verified that, you know, that connection and benefit. But I also mentally try to practice gratitude, right? Uh, the mind is absolutely stronger than the body. So I try to stay grateful for the small things in life. I'm grateful that I have a nice house to live in. I'm grateful that I have a dependable car to get me to work. I'm grateful to have a bike that I can ride if for some reason the car doesn't work. I can technically ride my bike. You know, I'm, I'm grateful to have 
all my body parts in one piece. Um, I'm grateful that we, we live in a country where we have fantastic opportunities for anybody that's willing to, to work and, and to better themselves. So, yeah, it's, it's, I think gratitude is, is a powerful tool. It's a powerful mental tool available to anyone who's willing to, um, to go there. Yeah, brilliant. Thank you for that. Uh, so this next question is one that you've preempted slightly, but I'll ask it again in case you want to add anything. I'm so sorry. I'm canceling out all your questions. That's all right. That's all right. Uh, so how would you describe your own mindset? Yeah, just always go forward, you know, seize opportunity. I have no idea what the coming weeks and months and years have in store for me, you know, either personally or professionally. Of course, I'm going to take, I have a plan and for myself and, and, my family and, and where I where I want us to go, but I have no idea what what the universe is is going to present before me. So my mindset is is I refuse to let myself be a victim of circumstance. Recently had some professional setbacks. Uh, we we ceased doing business with with a couple with a couple of our clients, and that you know that stung. That stung. That was a bad day, but. It's done. Shake it off, right? Go find new business. So I, I refuse to I refuse to wallow in my own misery. I think that's uh, I think that's probably my my biggest you know characteristic mentally. I just I will not sit on it. I will not go there. I won't allow myself to become despondent to uh, to that kind of kinds of thing. Fab, thank you. Uh, so my next question is my favorite to ask because I'm very curious. Um, so I ask everyone that comes on to leave us with between one and three top tips of things that we could try in our own life that could be really impactful for Ooh, us. So neat. They, right. they could be about anything. So. Yep. Oh, anything. Okay. So basically one to three things to, to make my life better. I love it. Okay. In no particular order, physical activity, physical fitness. There is, and I'm not saying you have to go and join a gym and become a bodybuilder. Like, that's not what I'm saying at all. Just get active. That is by a mile, the very best thing that I think anyone can do for themselves physically, mentally, emotionally is to, is to get active and stay active walking, bicycling, uh, whether it's playing sports, whether it's doing yoga, whether it's, you know, a lot of folks around the world after the pandemic, they, they built their own little home gyms in their house, right? Cause gyms everywhere were closed. So they just built out their own gym in their home to, to start, stay active. The, you know, the benefits of physical fitness span our entire person, right? Mental health, physical health, chronic, you know, chronic long-term health issues. If somebody for a second doesn't think that long-term chronic health problems don't have a physical or a, a financial drag on their life and on society, keep dreaming. I mean, chronic health problems are a huge financial drain on society. And so many of them can easily be fixed with, with exercise and, and good nutrition. Okay. So number one, physical activity. Number two, just find something outside of work that brings you happiness. So whether it's spending time with friends, whether it's picking up a hobby of some sort, whether it's just getting out and, and taking a walk through parks or, or 
um, you know, any sort of natural setting, you know, just find something that brings you happiness and, and, and stick to that. Um, and lastly, and just don't take everything so serious. <laughs> you know, there's, there's always something we can laugh about. Um, there's always uh, humor to be found in, in, I would, I would say almost any circumstance, even if it's, you know, gallows humor, what do you call it? it, it kind of, you know, just, just find a way to, 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 to let off the steam button a little bit um, and just find some humor, you know, have a, have a good chuckle. Think of, think of something that made you, made you laugh along the way and, just have a good laugh about it. Don't take stuff so serious, you know, because we're all human. We all have the same weaknesses and fallbacks and, you know, we're, we're all, we're all rubber ducks in the tub together. Right. So just don't take it serious. And, and things are, things are going to get okay. Things are going to be okay. It'll be fine. Great. Thank you so much for those. My next one is like a recommendation question. So I love to read. And so I've started asking everyone that comes on if they have a recommendation of a book or a TED talk that's been really impactful in your life that you'd like to share with us. Yep. The book that changed my life. Now, of course, you know, I'm in, I'm in the financial planning world and, and that's my calling and my career. So the book that changed my life, I read it when I was 20 or 21 years old. I think I read it in one afternoon. It was just it was a quick read, but it blew my mind. It's called The Smartest Investment Book You'll Ever Read. Um, I think the author's name is Daniel Solon. The Smartest Investment Book You'll Ever Read. And the reason it, it blew me away was this, uh, this author showed me that, that investing and having long-term financial success um, is not complicated. It's actually very, very simple. It's very simple. And especially here in the United States, you know, Wall Street has a notorious reputation for making things bigger and more complicated and more expensive than they need to be. And this book showed me that you can tune out all that noise and have fantastic long-term success by using very simple, basic tools. Uh, and, it, and it blew my mind, blew my mind. And you know, in our practice right now, we use these same simple, basic tools with our clients to help them achieve success. We don't make it complicated. We don't make it, you know, super, super hard and expensive. We use very simple, basic stuff and it works fantastic. So yes, my recommendation is the smartest investment book you'll ever read. Awesome. Thank you so much for that. No one else has recommended that one before. I wouldn't think so. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't think so. No. JR, thank you so much for, for joining us and everything you've shared. And that brings me to my final question, which is where people can connect with you if they're interested in finding out more about your practice, if you could tell us all the details. Yep. Yep. Well, first off, Hannah, this has been, a, this has been so much fun. Thank you for even having me on. It's been a pleasure. And, and you know, I, I hope to see your podcast just explode and, and be everywhere. So uh, wishing you and your listeners the very best success too. For anyone that wants to reach me, obviously, in the United States, my email address uh, is jrchapel at ensignpartners.com, and I'll I'll give you the link for that, that that you can include. Our website is is www.ensignpartners.com. Physically, I'm I'm based out of Arizona, but we work with folks, you know, across the country. Um, and so, any anyone that that has questions, I'd be I'd be happy to to talk. Love would love to have that conversation. 
Brilliant. Well, thank you so much again for joining us. And we'll absolutely put links in the show notes so people can find you nice and easily from there. Um, and it's been great. I know money is something that personally has caused me a lot of stress. And yep. I know I'm sure for a lot of our listeners. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's so common. It's so common. And, you know, my input to all your listeners is, is just, you know, get your chin up. You know, we're going to, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Brilliant. I think that's a perfect place to finish. Thank you so much, dear. Thank you. So a massive thank you to JR. And I must admit with, with pensions, I, when I was in my twenties, I definitely lowered the amount I was contributing. I don't think I ever kind of didn't join a pension, um, but you know, I was definitely in the, no, I can't afford it. Um, but sort of mid twenties and now my thirties, I am contributing to my pension as I mentioned. And, and for me, I think it is that balance of living life to the full and wanting to sort of enjoy life um, and be able to kind of experience the joy of life. But I think also it's planning for the future as well. It's that kind of mix of, um, it's that kind of mix of that practical planning to sort of feel more in control. You know, I think if you have that looming of, oh no, <laughs> I've got this period of my life to think about and I'm not doing anything about it, we can bury our heads in the sand but I think it will keep kind of coming up and there's still that kind of I haven't done anything about it and that can um it can add pressure you know so I think having that balance of enjoying life but also a bit of forward planning so that I think you can really enjoy the moment because you're not feeling that pressure of what if uh, for the future um and it what what came up when I was editing this was an Alan Watts quote which I which I love actually <laughs> it's quite funny when we're talking about future planning um, but he said that the future is a concept, uh, it doesn't exist. There is no such thing as tomorrow. There never will be because time is always now. That is not the quote that I wanted actually, but kind of um, similar. Um, let me let me find it. I guess it's similar actually, that the future is something you never get to, but if you kind of hang on to that too much, then you're not preparing, you're not planning for it and suddenly it can, and you'll find that the, the present moment that you're in uh, is one that um, you're not prepared for. This is, the, I found the quote. <laughs> so the quote is, unless one is able to live fully in the present, the future is a hoax. There is no point whatever in making plans for a future which you will never be able to enjoy. And that's why I think that balance is so important because you need to be able to enjoy it. You don't want to go too far into just thinking about the future so that you're not making the most of life. Um, because then while well, you get there, you've got your massive nest egg, but you can't enjoy it anyway. But at the same time, if you are completely being an ostrich and not thinking about the future at all, it's going to be hanging over you as a cloud of what happens when. Um, and then I think that stops you from really being able to enjoy the present as well. So I think having that balance, taking that responsibility and going, this is where I'm planning for the future and it's something that I do. And this is where I'm enjoying life and having that balanced. And and that to me, I feel is kind of like where I'm at now. I'm also, I have other things I'm weighing up and they're in the mix of wanting to buy a house at some point and potentially start a family and, and those things that have kind of financial implications and mental wellbeing implications and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's for you, it's finding that balance and not going too far either way. Um, 
So yeah, that's me. <laughs> I think it's fun your own attitude to that, but also money mindset. Uh, if you've not dove into money mindset, it's something I definitely would recommend. We carry our own stories about money um, and what is possible for us, and definitely something that I'm working on, uh, where I find that I have my own blocks of my money stories and how they can kind of unconsciously sabotage and hold us back. So definitely something to dive into and. Oh, uh, resources. So um, I have not read this, but I read You're a Badass by Jen Sincero. And she has got a book on You're a Badass at Making Money, which I've heard really um, recommended. Um, I'm currently reading a book by... Oh no, apparently I'm currently listening to You're a Badass at Making Money. There is a book by Denise Duffield Thomas. I know that she has done some work into this. Uh, Chillpreneur and actually You're About Us Making Money. I am currently listening to, sorry, I can't even remember what I'm reading because I'm reading so many things at the moment. I also have um, a Martha Beck and a Brené Brown book on the go. Um, that's just me. Anyway, <laughs> I hope that you have found this conversation to be helpful, that you have got some takeaways from it um, and you're feeling a little bit more equipped to look at your finances if it is something that you've been ostriching ostriching I don't know if that is a verb but I feel like it should be for a lot of things um if you've been doing that that you feel equipped to look at it to take some personal responsibility um and it might not feel exciting or sexy or any of those kind of things to take personal responsibility but I think it can feel empowering and that we are taking steps forward we kind of have that vision of this is where I want to get to and I'm doing things to get me there and it doesn't mean that sometimes it's not going to be tough that it'll be like I can't be bothered or things will trip us up but I think it um we feel like we're moving in the right direction so yeah I, I found this conversation very very beneficial for myself and I hope you did as well uh, so we will be back on Wednesday and we are joined by Paul and we're diving into grit and <laughs> we're diving into lots of great stuff of really having that determination that willpower that self-belief to push yourself beyond the limits that other people put on you that of what other people think is possible for you um, and Paul shares his story which is um so amazing and inspiring and um yeah just it, it was a great conversation so I really hope you enjoy that I hope you'll join us again on Wednesday until then as always take care of yourself be kind to yourself and I'll speak to you soon bye for now